Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. I am super psyched and jazzed and ready to go for this episode because we just got off the, not the phone, off of Skype with Ricky Mendez, who calls himself a success implementational specialist, um, which is way better than a motivational speaker. Um, But oh my God, the energy that this guy has, not just the energy, but the positive energy that he has, I am like inspired and I will be for a long time just after that conversation. And I think everybody else will be too. Um, Ricky is, is such a great speaker. Um, he brings a lot of great perspective about how to live your best life, how to implement things within your life that can help you, whether it's in business, whether that's in sports, whether that's in life. I am inspired right now. I'm ready to go. I'm sure Jeff is too, because they got a little bromance going on. So why don't we bring in the talent of this episode, Jeff Lavecchio. Jeff, what's going on today, brother? Toph, I just murdered a 16 ounce steak, a green smoothie. And some vitamins. I'm ready to go, baby. Let's do this. Uh, so why don't we start off with you? And, and I said this on the podcast episode, but I have never seen you so excited in my entire life. Maybe after you score a goal, maybe that's one other thing. But like, I don't think I've ever seen you in your entire life be as pumped up to have this guy on our podcast as I did when you met him. So talk to us a little bit about how this little bromance relationship started and, uh, and how you got Ricky on the podcast. Straight up, straight up bromance. You know, it was a meet cute. Like they say, what is that from uh, one of those movies, romantic comedies, you know, meet cute. So I was in Nashville over the weekend and uh, for the National Women's Hockey League NWHL All-Star Game um, and the skills comp and all that with um, Veda Sport, which is a CBD company that I'm an ambassador for with uh, our boy Rob Shrimp and and Marvin Dagon, two great hockey guys. Um, and I met... Uh, I met a girl out there, Julia Cole is a country singer and she's awesome. Anybody who likes country, like go to whatever platform you use for your music, whether it's iTunes, Apple music, whatever, and and look up her new single. I think it's called trust you or something, but she's a great person anyways. So we were at her house, um, for a single release party, um, in Nashville and I just started talking, I hear this guy talking and he's talking about like all this like mental side of life. And obviously I'm drawn to that right away. You know how I am. I'm, I'm all about finding ways to better myself and my athletes and the kids I coach. And I started listening to him. And I'm like, man, like, I'm like, I think I was just like, who are you? Like, what do you, what's going on here? I, n- I didn't know him. And come to find out he's a motivational speaker slash implementation success specialist. Like he's just an awesome guy. And then on top of that, 
he's wearing Lululemon. So right away, obviously I start talking about Lululemon. I don't know. We just, we hit it off right away and we start talking about all these things. And I just started picking his brain and turns out, you know, he works with a bunch of athletes, um, sales forces, huge companies, um, he does stuff with Lululemon, so right there, I'm already jealous. And it, it, he just everything he was saying, I was like, man, Ricky, like all these things you're saying, I've done a lot of this my whole life, but I didn't know the science behind it. I just knew it worked for me. So it was really cool to hear someone who had like the data and the reasons and the chemical reactions that happen in your brain and bringing out your subconscious into your conscious mind and everything he was talking about. I was like, this relates to all my athletes. Will you please come on my podcast? I probably looked like an idiot. I was like, please man, come on my podcast. And right away he's like, yeah, of course. Like, of course I'll come on it. He's just a good person and his message is amazing and everything starts with the mind and the body will follow and he works on the mind. So it's really cool to have him on our podcast. Yeah, for sure. And a couple of things that I took out of it. One was like, you can take every situation and turn it into a positive, right? Like it could be a tough situation, but when you have perspective, which is what we talk about all the time and he talked about a lot too, which was great. I mean, you can flip anything into an opportunity or something that's positive, even if it's, you know, a, a really, really tough situation. And the other thing that he talked about that I thought was really, really profound is, you know, you know how there's that saying, knowledge is power. Like everybody right. talks about knowledge is power, but he was like, no, knowledge is potential power, right? So you can have knowledge, but if you don't do anything with it, then, then what is it? It's nothing. And, and I've always been a big believer and especially now, like kind of being outside of, of the game of hockey, like this world is ran by doers. It's not ran by thinkers. There's a lot more thinkers out there than there are doers, and the doers are the one that literally get things done and accomplish things and, and have an impact on people and, and inspire people and things like that. If you just have knowledge and don't do anything with it, like what, what good is it? Um, so Ricky, again, he calls himself an implementation speaker. It's not just about me you know, talking to you and giving you some advice. It's, hey, let's put a plan together so you can actually have your life affected and change. And I just thought that was really, really cool and uh, a huge piece of what I took out of it anyway. I took like, I took a ton of notes. So yeah, you were, you were, you were, yeah, you were happy, man. You were geeking out. You were like taking notes left and right, but yeah, that's so true. And I love that because he even said on the podcast, you know, when I started going to all these, he said, he said, when he started going to all those, um, you know, self-help seminars and things like that. And he's noticed that people are just taking a bunch of notes and then some of them would leave their notes there. And I actually noticed that at that USA hockey coaching thing I went to a few months ago where I met Bob Mancini, who we had on the podcast, I saw people taking notes left and right. And then we were leaving and a bunch of them left their notes. And I was like, well, you obviously aren't going to implement any of the things you learned here today because you left your notes. So yeah, if you, you could have, it's like the same thing we say with coaching in my head. If I'm a coach, if I have the best knowledge in the world, but I can't disseminate it to the team, I can't teach it to my team. It doesn't matter. And it's the same thing with knowledge for yourself. I could know all these things, but if I don't implement them into my life, if I don't start sharing them and using them, it doesn't matter what's in my head because I'm not getting any better. And he's all about teaching people the ways that you need to do over and over the habits and things like that and little details to do not just know to do to get better. And, you know, obviously that applies to hockey. It applies to life. It, it applies to relationships, family, everything. And, and Ricky, he's just, he's just such an awesome guy. And he's just like you and I, like, I was like, you know, I, I can't pay you to come on the podcast. Like we don't, we don't do it for money. You know, we do it for free. And he's like, no, no, no. 
I like helping people. I want to be on. And that made me like him even more. I was like, yes, I'm all about trying to just share and, and teach people new things. And, and that's his goal. And, you know, he's such a cool person and he has a lot of, of great ways to implement, um, habits and, and, and things that will make you better. Like it, he's just, he's awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, it, I said this already, but it was definitely an inspiring episode. And I think, you know, Matthew Calderoni was one of our, our highest rated episodes. And I think, you know, people got a lot out of hearing a guy like that talk. And Ricky, it goes about it in different ways, but they're in kind of the same field. And, and I think they both had a ton of knowledge. Um, and not just knowledge, but like we said, they, they had a bunch of ways to, that, to kind of help you um, move forward and get better and, and change things that you want to change in your life and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I'm really glad that you brought him onto the episode. Um, he came with a ton of energy. He came with a ton of knowledge. Um, and, and like I said at the beginning of the podcast, like I'm, I'm Jack right now and i'm jack for our listeners too because i think this is going to be one of uh, one of our best yet for sure i totally agree and and you know i'll say this to the, to the kids listening or the or the junior or college or pro guys or coaches you know you have to you have to constantly be seeking ways to get better and i think a lot of players do that physically they go to find the best trainers they look on youtube for new drills you know they're constantly practicing their skills but what are they missing? And for me, I've noticed a lot of kids and players, whether it's pro all the way down, it's the mental side of things. And it doesn't matter if physically you're a specimen. If your brain's not in it and you're not you know, doing all these things to constantly be finding ways to, to trick your brain to turn a negative into a positive and things like that, it doesn't matter how good of shape you're in physically. Ricky said it. You need to be emotionally fit. You need to be mentally fit. And that needs to start – at the same time, if not first, so that your, your physical fitness can then also take over and everything he said, like it, it just makes so much sense. And, um, another thing that he told me is that anybody who's interested in speaking to Ricky, you know, get a hold of him because it, he doesn't charge you for the first session. He wants to talk to you. He wants to see if it's a good fit between you and him. And, and he urged me to let everyone know, reach out to him. His, uh, his email, his email is email. What the hell's email? His email is his Ricky. Email. His email. <laughs> his his email is Ricky at Ricky Mendez at Gmail. Okay, I'm just talking out of my ass. Hold on, I gotta <laughs> hold on, listeners. I'm sorry, I gotta. I got it. Gotta it's Ricky at RickyMendez.com. So there Ricky Mendez. Mendez is M E N D E Z dot com, uh, and his Instagram is Ricky Mendez Speaks. And uh, yeah, he he was awesome. He really and was awesome. It. Yeah. Follow his Instagram because like Tolf and I are always saying, guys, don't just follow Kim Kardashian's butt. Girls, don't just follow me for my abs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's 20 bucks to the charity jar. I'm at 80 now. Um, but 80. seriously, follow people on social media that can add value to your life. And Tolf with his, with his things from last night, those are going to add value. Uh, I think my workout stuff, I think that can add value, but more importantly than both of those, like we just said, is that, is that mental piece and following a guy like Matthew Calderoni or following Ricky Mendez, it will help you on the mental side of things. So follow people that will help you to get better daily. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, Ricky, Ricky was awesome. And, uh, we can't wait for the feedback from, from people. So I think people are going to learn a lot. Uh, it, this is going to make people think a lot. And I think one of the best things that it's going to get people to think about is how to 
change negative events and negative occurrences into positive ones? How can you find a way to, to take tough situations and make them into, you know, a positive experience? And that was something that he talked about right from the get go. And, uh, I'm certainly trying to do that now a lot more in my life for sure. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, I've, I've been saying this, I've been using this one for years and I don't know if I came up with it or somebody told it to me, but whenever I was having a bad game or a bad practice or a bad day, or, you know, me and a girlfriend broke up and you're in a, in a depressed state, somebody told me like, okay, but how old are you? Oh, you're, you're 20, you're 18, you're 19. You could be in Iraq right now fighting a war. You could be in Afghanistan having bullets shot at you. And like, yeah, okay, it would make me laugh or whatever. When I tell kids that, they kind of laugh. I'm like, no, 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 seriously. Think about that. You're playing hockey. You're having a great time. Like, you're doing what you love. You, but you don't have to be. You could literally be in a war being shot at right now. And when you change your perspective, immediately your mindset shifts. And you know what? Now I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I'm here. I'm okay with struggling today because I'm not being shot at. My life's not on the line. And you immediately just kind of get happy when you think like that. And I went into a gym in, uh, in Minnesota and in the hotel, and it was a terrible gym. And, you know, we had just talked to Ricky and, and, and I went in the gym and I was like, man, how am I going to get a good workout? This gym sucks. Like, ugh, I'm depressed, like whatever. And I was like, you know what? No, flip that. I'm lucky that my, my body works. I'm lucky I'm alive today. I'm lucky that I'm able to work out. And immediately, like I swear to God, immediately my mind shifted. I was in a good mood and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take this as a challenge. I'm going to look around this gym right now. And with the minimal amount of equipment, I'm going to try and make the best workout I can with this little amount of things that I have at my disposal. And I had an unbelievable workout and it started with that flipping the negative energy to positive energy. If I didn't do that, I would have just had a crappy workout. I would have been mad the rest of the day, you know, but I, I immediately, I changed the negative to a positive boom chain of events. I'm ready to go. I set myself up for success. And I got that from this guy, from Ricky. So I, I couldn't be more excited that I was able to meet him in a chance encounter. And, you know, we got a bromance going. He's an absolute beauty. Uh, he also told me he has a sick beach party in LA. So you better believe Ricky, if you're listening to this, I'm going to be there with a speedo on. <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh man well we talk about grateful a lot and perspective a lot and i'm very grateful for that perspective that you just gave us right there <laughs> but in all seriousness but in all seriousness though i like we've talked a lot about that on the podcast about the power of of gratitude and about the power of perspective and when I sit here and think about it, I really feel like when I'm practicing those two things and I'm consciously um, thinking about those two things and, and incorporating them into my life, my, my I don't know, my self-worth, my attitude, everything is so much better. Like when I'm not, when I'm choosing, I shouldn't say choosing not to think about it, but when I'm you know choosing to not not think about it, I don't know if that just made any sense, but why don't we just go with when I'm choosing to think about those things... Uh, like everything is just a lot more clear. I, I have much more positive attitude. Um, I have a lot more energy. Um, just my, my attitude towards, towards people and towards myself and, and all that kind of stuff, it just gets expanded. So um, Ricky talks a lot about those two things. And, and I think those are two things that are just extremely, extremely important for, for all of our mental health. 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, we've both had some tough times in our lives, like, and, and what we think are tough times, but it's relative <laughs> yeah. when, 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 and you always, you more than me always talk about, you know, perception and, and changing the way you look at things. And Ricky is the same way. And it's like, yeah, okay. All right. I've had concussions. Yeah. I had my career ruined by concussions. Wait a minute, Jeff, flip that, turn that negative into positive. I was able to play 10 years professional hockey. I was able to do that for 10 years of my life. Don't look at that negative and say, Oh, you know, poor me. Oh, I could sit around and be depressed that it was ruined by that. No, I'm so lucky for all of the things I was able to experience. I lived all over the world. I met people from every walk of life, which also influenced me as a person and as a hockey coach, as a hockey player, as a hockey person, I'm lucky. And when I look at it that way, as opposed to, oh, poor me, you know, uh, my concussions. Uh. No, that's depressing. My whole day, I'm depressed. I look at it this other way now, and I'm thankful, and I'm grateful, and now I can take all these experiences and share them and teach people and 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 share with the world what I've learned with you doing this. I am so effing happy. I'm so grateful. And it's literally a mind shift change. And Ricky teaches that. And it is so important in sports and in life. So I can't implore you guys and girls and coaches and parents more. If you're looking for somebody to teach you ways to do it, not just know, know that you need to do it. Everyone knows you need to be positive and yada, yada, yada. You need to learn habits that you will do every day to have this mindset for the rest of your life in athletics and life. Ricky Mendez is the kind of person that will do that. So I implore you to reach out and Tof and I get no money for, for this. Well, I'm not, we're not being paid to tell you to go talk to Ricky. I told him I don't want any money. I just want to help people. And I think that he's somebody that can help you athletes out there and, and coaches. So if you're looking for it, it's not a bad way to at least follow him on the gram. And if not reach out and see if there's anything you can do with him. And, uh, and with that, Let's head it on over to Ricky Mendez. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are so excited to have on this episode of the Hockey Think Tank podcast, Ricky Mendez, a motivational speaker and business consultant that has a lot, a lot, a lot of knowledge. And before we get into that stuff, it's, uh, I want to ask you, Ricky, because I've never heard my cousin Jeffrey so excited to get somebody on this podcast as to when you guys met each other down in Nashville last weekend. So how did, uh, how did your guys' little bromance start? <laughs> It was, uh, well, number one, thank you for, for having me on. Uh, what I've learned, I love what you guys are doing. And um, so some one of Jeff's friends just kind of tagged me on the back and uh, said, I like your Lululemon. It's kind of all I wear, long story behind it, but I use Lululemon on uh, how to demonstrate a part of the brain that conditions us. And that was a perfect leeway into like, yeah, I love Lululemon. And then like across the room, Jeff was like, hey, I love Lululemon. And then for 20 minutes, we talked about, about Lululemon and then Somehow, some way, that's kind of morphed into mental conditioning, emotional fitness, and how our brain works. And then it was basically 24 hours from there. 
that sounds kind of fitting that that started with Lululemon because that's kind of like almost kind of like their their shtick, right? Lululemon yeah. and, and all the stuff that you're talking about. So, um, Jeff, did you guys you have like you know kind of glitter in your eyes and all that kind of stuff when you heard that? And then, you know, the- easy, bro, <laughs> easy. All right, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, we were talking about Lulu, and then it was our cousin Cody Barra, Tofanai's cousin. We were there, and I don't even know how we were talking about, talking about Lululemon, and Ricky's like, I got Lulu under on. I was like, I got Lulu under. Underwear on. Then Cody's like, I got Lulu underwear on. We all pull it out. We show, hey, all right. And then I think it just kind of went from there. Like, you know, what are you doing? And Ricky started talking, and I was like, I was blown away because everything he was saying was like what we, you and I say, but even next level, like even more scientific, even more fact based. Um, like, like he, he's just everything that we're about teaching all of our listeners. He does it on with athletes, with businesses, with salespeople. I mean, it's all about the power of the mind and that's everything that we're into. So I was like, man, we got to get this guy in the podcast. I know he's big time, but I was like, Hey, if you got a second to, uh, to talk to us about, uh, with our, with our audience, I think they can learn something from you. So I was really excited. He jumped on it right away. R- Ricky's a beauty. He's like, yeah, man, I'm totally in. Let's set it up. And, and here we are less than a week later. So I was, you know, pretty cool, pretty cool world we live in here. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Well, kind of jumping right into it, Ricky. You know, I called you a motivational speaker, but that's not exactly kind of what you do. Explain to uh, explain to our listeners a little bit, kind of what you do in terms of that stuff, and and uh, you know, with the people that you work with. Absolutely, thanks. Um, so, motivational speaking is—it's kind of the space. It's the arena. Um, and I remember I started investing in myself a long, long time ago. And you know, investing yourself in conferences and, and coaching and all that stuff—that's not cheap, right? So, I would go to a conference. I'd spend anywhere between really start investing in myself between three, four, five thousand bucks, right? And I would look to my right and left during a two-day, three-day conference or even a single day, and people would be taking these feverish notes, feverish notes on their yellow pads. And then at the end of the conference. I look to right and I look to my left again, and they have left their notes at the conference. So I know there was no change in behavior, and it, it happened consistently at all the conferences. So I know there was no change in behavior. And one of my greatest mentors told me, Ricky, you know, success is not a knowledge problem. People know what to do. They just don't implement on a consistent basis. It's an implementation problem. So he inspired me so much. So I, I kind of made that my life's work in dealing with implementation that creates prosperity habits that are sustainability, that are sustainable and duplicatable kind of over the long haul. Rather than getting really, really motivated, you know, in a couple hours or a day, and then that wear off, implementation in small incremental bits and pieces will lead to prosperity habits. That will lead to a change in behavior and literally rewiring your brain. So then you look back and these little incremental things add up and they're cumulative and now you look up and not only have you changed your life, you've changed the life of the ones that you love and the ones around you. And to me, I believe that to be kind of true fulfillment. Wow. So basically you, you change the way they think, which then affects behavior, which becomes habit, which then leads them towards their goals. Is that kind of yeah, down version? Very much so. So I, I believe that the way you think will directly affect the way that you feel your emotional state. If I can choose to put myself in an emotional state that is prosperous, prosperous, um, exciting, abundant, healthy, and motivated, then I can take the action. But so many people focus on the action. What do I have to do? What do I have to do? But they don't change the foundation of how they think and feel about what they're trying to do. 
For example, you know, when a kid needs to get better grades, we tell them, you got to study harder, you got to study harder, you got to study harder. We focus on the action, but we don't change fundamentally a lot of times on how that child feels about learning and education. If we can change the way he thinks, we change the way he feels, if we change the way he feels, then we can look at the actionable items to take. Tolf, that sounds a lot like the ADM and what they're pushing with the young kids as far as instead of having young kids now like just go to practice and just practice things, they're trying to tell the youngest kids in hockey, the, the coaches of the youngest kids in hockey, you need to make it a fun environment. You need them to want to come and then make the drills they're doing super fun so they're getting better, but they don't really know they're getting better and they're learning. Is that kind of like what you're saying as far as this analogy with the kids uh, in school? Yeah, very much so. So like if, if we can get those kids, okay, so let's think about the hockey practice, right? Now, if we can get those kids to enjoy the progress, like if I go in and I think of how much progress I made, even if it's small, I can celebrate the small little victories and I can celebrate the progress that I made. And that is increasing my quality of life. And this works even, I've talked about this even six-year-olds. They might not understand it, but the process, if you start conditioning at that age, man, imagine what the leaders that they will grow up to be. So if I can change the way they think about practice in terms of learning and progress, not only in practice, but in life, then they get excited. Then their emotional state increases. They can change their state by what they're thinking about. And then when they do that, now the action to go to the practice and to do the drills and to do all things has a completely different meaning in their life. And what's awesome about it in teams is it spreads like wildfire. And I've been getting in front of more kind of athletes this year. It's usually corporations and businesses. And people ask me to come and coach and teach them on leadership and culture within an organization. But it's even more powerful, I feel, within athletes and a team because they are putting their absolute blood, sweat and tears from what they've done since they've been little. So it's that much more impactful for them and the people around them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and I want to even take it a step further because, you know, one of the biggest, you know, uh, sayings in sports, especially nowadays, is like embrace the grind. Kind of like and you got to learn how to enjoy the sucky parts of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so in terms of just kind of what you're talking about um, in, in changing the emotional state, how would you suggest, you know, let's say you're a pro player or college player or junior player, higher levels, um, to change your emotional state so you're able to more enjoy the suck and it's not so monotonous, um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I believe the core of literally everything in our world is gratitude. Simple. It's so simple. It gets so often, often overlooked. So I teach people literally how to write a gratitude poem. The power of that is able to convert energy from negative to positive. And I literally teach an hour class on this. But when I, I know that my mind cannot be grateful and fearful at the same time. So I get to choose literally every second of every day of every week of every month of my life. I get to choose. So when we're conditioned and we don't rely on willpower because willpower is an exhaustible resource, it's going to wear out at some point, but we try to grind and grind and grind. But when we can rely on emotional fitness and mental conditioning, then we get to embrace that grind because we're conditioning ourselves for gratitude. And there's lots of different ways to do that. And when we do that, when we change our state and how we feel about it, we can embrace the grind or what I call is embracing failure. And just a different perspective on that. It's real simple. Like if you had a goal, a magnanimous goal and something that you wanted to achieve, and I told you it would take 25 failures to get to that goal, how excited would you be at your first failure? But we don't think from the end as a result and we get 
down and we get hurt and we get discouraged about these failures when those failures are the greatest teachers that we could ever have. If you look at anybody that's created anything great in this life, they'll talk to you about the failures and how many that they went through. You know, Thomas Edison, arguably the greatest inventor ever. He said, I didn't fail. I just found 10,000 ways that didn't work. You know, um, Walt Disney. Walt Disney was fired from his newspaper for lacking imagination and having no good ideas. Walt freaking Disney. You know what I mean? Um, Eminem suffered with depression and all kinds of failures before he was a 13, you know, Emmy nominated or Emmy winning artist. So if we look at the people that have done great things, they have failed the most. So we change that perspective. We get to embrace the failure because if we learn from it and grow from it. But too bad our conditioning, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. The majority of them are negative. And then our conditioning tells us to be scared of the failure rather than embracing it and learning it and growing from it. I love that. And I, and I think that this episode's probably going to be geared towards higher level hockey players and coaches just from what we're talking about here. But um, from a coaching standpoint, for the coaches out there listening, I feel like old school is like a team loses and they just start start screaming at the players and, ah, oh, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. But if you take this mindset, this, this um, you know, failure is okay mindset, and now like let's use our failure, quote unquote, when we lost a game or we're not playing well, and let's learn from it. Let's grow from it. It's okay that we failed. I mean, I'm not happy we lost because, you know, you want to win. You want to you wanna be always – um, teaching kids that you need to battle and you want to win and you want to be the winner. But when you lose, it is okay. As long as you learn from it, don't just lose and, and it's over because then you're not getting better. You, you lose and you go back and you watch the tape or you go through the plays in your head and you say, okay, I did that. Maybe I could have done this better, learn from it. And then you grow. So you got better from your failure as opposed to just fa- quote unquote failing, losing, and you don't get better from it, which is just a waste of time. Absolutely. And, and I want to be super clear, especially with athletes. So I've spoken to a few colleges lately and I want to be super clear. I'm not saying that promotes a losing mindset is OK. If you learn and you grow from that, you get better. And that's progress. And as a team, if you progress from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, that is a win. But more importantly, when you teach kids to learn and grow from their setbacks, we've all heard it, a setback is a setup. If we teach kids to do that and we do it ourselves, more importantly, we become the person that we're proud of. We become the friend that we're proud of. We become the husband or the wife that we're proud of. We become the boyfriend or the girlfriend that we're proud of. We become the mother or the father that we're proud of, the husband or the wife. We live a more fulfilled life, and then we're able to teach that to other people. And I I believe contributions – best feeling on the planet and what a place in an arena to do that than athletics. That's, that's amazing. I mean, I always, I always tell the clients that I have that are in a, in a, in a rut or, you know, kind of struggling for a week, two month, whatever it is. Like when you have those dark times, it gives you perspective on when you have the light times, when you're in the light and everything's going well, it's like, yes. But if you never had those lulls or those down times, you don't know how amazing those good times are when everything goes right. Everything is working. Everything's going in the net. You know, you have those times, but you don't have those times without those valleys. You don't get to those peaks without going through those valleys. So when they happen, learn from them, use them as inspiration, motivation, whatever, learn from them, learn technique, all this stuff and use it to your advantage. If you get down and you dwell on the negative and you're not constantly thinking, I'm going to get better from this. It's okay. I'm going to get out of it through working through it, hard work, thinking about it, all this stuff. Um, 
you know, you're going to be better from it. So it's okay. And parents, it's okay. Coaches, it's okay. As long as you're there doing the right things after that failure, you can't just let them fail. And then, well, I'm done with you. You suck, whatever. No, learn from your failures and and listen to, you know, this podcast, what's up and guys like Ricky and, and learn how to turn your failures. What you just said, I've never heard that turn your setbacks into setups. That's unbelievable. I love that. And that, I mean, we look like Michael Jordan, man. I, you go look at the people. We, we post these things on social media all the time, right? We'll, we'll get like a meme or something and we'll post it. One of the things Michael Jordan says, I failed over and over and over and over again in my life and in my career. That's why I succeed. So we post these things and we share these things, but do we implement them? Do we take them and think, okay, how did he think? All I got to duplicate is how he thought so I can do what he did. It's really, really simple. And all it really is, I look at it and believe, is a conversion of energy. You got negative energy, you got positive energy. How do we convert negative to positive? It's very, very simple by the way we look at things. One of my favorite authors is uh, Wayne Dyer. And um, he says something very simple. Change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. And I think that's so powerful because there's so many tools that I teach my clients and, and whoever, businesses, corporations or whatever, how to convert energy. And it's just like anything else. We go to the gym, we lift, we get stronger, right? But that's tangible so people can see it, so people spend more time on it. But with your mind, people don't see it. It's not tangible. So people don't work it out as much where you have to work that out just as much, if not more, than your physical capacities. So conversion of energy is really, really a simple thing. I I teach people all the time, like, look, man, when when the crap storm comes, which it's going to come, okay, it's not about it not coming. It's about me being efficient and proficient about converting energy. So I teach people to, to, we all have iPhones, right? And people have been thanked many, many times for whatever they may have done. Maybe they helped them with a game, helped score a goal, taught them this lesson, taught them the skill, whatever. So we thank people a lot. When that happens, take a screenshot of your phone, put it in an album, entitle that album in your phone, I Am Great, and put all these screenshots in there of people that have thanked you. So now when the crap storm comes, okay, how do I convert that energy? I go into my phone. I look at my album of all these people that thanked me. I can't help but feel awesome. I can't be grateful and fearful at the same time. Bam, I have a conversion of energy. You do that again and again and again on a small scale. You implement on a small scale and it turns into a prosperity habit. Next thing you know, you're living a more fulfilled life, but more importantly, you're teaching people and being the example of how to do that. That's great. I think that's that's so cool. And I, I want to push you a little bit more on that even too, because just kind of listen to you talk, you know, you talking about how changing is, is, is simple, but powerful. But I also think that's very hard, you know, specifically for people that are in, you know, going through the tough times and going through the ruts, you know, it's kind of easy to say, Hey, like you should think positive. But I, so I think that's really, really valuable that you even gave them examples, you know, say the people that said, thank you on your phones. Like, so what are some other things that, you know, people can do to tangibly change their mindset from a po- from a negative to a positive? Absolutely. Um, so I believe everything in this world is energy. Okay. And just like there are certain things I'm so conditioned now that when I hear things, they, they trigger me. So first of all, when people say something's hard, just twist it. It's a challenge. Hard is just hard. Challenges I get to overcome. Challenges are fun. Challenges have a top of the mountain. Hard is just hard. So number one, the thoughts that we have and the things that we say have energy to them, negative or positive. So number one, when you look at things, don't call them hard. I would suggest to call them a challenge. Number two, I strongly, 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 strongly suggest the core of everything is gratitude. 
it, it, for to me, the year I wrote my gratitude poem, I made more money than I ever made. I had better relationships than I've ever had. I had more contribution in my life than I've ever had. And my health and fitness went through the roof. And there's no doubt in my mind that the first thing I do when I wake up, before I pick up my phone, before I write an email, get a text message, answer a client's call, whatever it is, I put myself first and I read my gratitude poem. I go out in the world and now everything has a different filter on my life because my mind is in a grateful state. Again, I cannot be grateful or fearful at the same time. So my gratitude poem personally has two sides. One thing that uh, usually really, 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 really bother me. And then there are side of things that I'm easy to be grateful for. So I'll give you an example. When I would fly from L.A. to New York or L.A. to Boston on a cross-country flight, I would be able to sleep on a plane. I get my big neck pillow and I'm, I'm on the aisle seat and I can crash out on a plane. I can sleep like a baby. Oh, okay. you're so lucky. I can't do that. I'm the worst sleeper on planes. <laughs> I, I envy you so much. <laughs> that, hey, that's a skill, honestly. Yeah. You got to practice it, Tope, just like your <laughs> mental fitness. You know, it's probably something to, like that has to do with like, I know I'm not going to sleep on this flight. So yeah. I got to hey, change it. Hey. I got to change it. You're bringing Absolutely. it into your, your, your sphere. And so what would drive me nuts, and I mean to the point where, like, I hated when a screaming baby would go wailing off behind my ear. I would hate it to the point where I would, like, nudge the person on my left or nudge the person on my right and be like, this is brutal. Like, it, it, it this was, like, my ultimate. You take the thing that absolutely drives you up the wall the worst, and that was mine, Okay. And it stressed me out. People use stress. What we really are is fearful, but we don't want to use fear because that means we're weak. So we use stress as a code word because it just means I'm a hard worker, right? So I was so fearful of not getting sleep that I hated that. When I learned self-accountability, unwavering, relentless accountability, I would twist it and I said, I am grateful for the screaming baby on the plane because it means I can hear. And I thought of all the people that don't have the sense of hearing and how wonderful that is and all the great things that I can hear. And it completely shifted my perspective. And when I really learned about this, I learned how it fired and wired in my brain and all the wonderful chemicals that I release in my brain and in my body when I'm grateful that make me healthy. So I completely converted that energy from negative to positive. And it happens so fast now all the time that there's nothing anybody can give me where that we can't find what Napoleon Hill called the seed of equivalent benefit. Napoleon Hill wrote Think and Grow Rich. It's the foundation of all self-development. But that was one thing. So now I took all the things that I was really bugged me and hated, like I hated doing dishes, hated doing dishes. So I said, I'm grateful for the dirty dishes that I have to clean and scrub because it means I have enough to eat. Simple things that change perspective. You do that again and again and again, again, implement on a very small scale. This can be applicable towards business, your life, your family, your relationships, your health, your fitness, whatever. You do them again and again and again. You feel awesome. And you change, literally change the world in front of you. And then you get to change others. Yeah, that's really cool. I, and Jeff and I talk about perspective all the time. We feel like it's very, very powerful. And having that gratitude is, certainly gives you a, a much, much greater perspective on, on things. But I wanted to, to kind of ask you about one of the things that you just said there. Because honestly, like, after you said it, like, I feel like it's profound. And that stress is a code word for fear. Um. I think that's an extremely, extremely powerful sentiment that you just said. So I wanted to ask you to kind of expand upon that because I like thinking about it now, like I feel like that's so true. And I think about the times that like I get stressed pretty easily, just kind of like my personality. And like it always comes from 
now that I'm like thinking about it in my head, I feel like it's always because I'm fearing something, failure, mistake, the way that people will think of me, whatever it may be. So can you expand mm-hmm. a little bit upon like stress is a code word for fear? Cause I think that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, we, we don't want to appear weak, right? We, we don't want to appear weak. When we say fear, it has a weak connotation. Stress is like, oh, I just work hard. I'm a hard worker. So and when we're, we're so conditioned by the time we grow up, by the time we're 10, 12, even nine years old, that everything around us is negative. We have 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. And over I, the research I found is between 60 and 73 percent of them are negative. But we, we were conditioned this way. Think of when you were a little kid. You were happy with a bucket of sand in the rain, right? And as we start to learn, as we start to grow up, we get conditioned by this negativity of the world around us. So when we look at fear and stress, it's so easy to get fearful or stressful because that's become the norm. But now when we start to convert that, we can literally live an enlightened life and for us and for those around us because we can learn to convert that energy. But that fear, really what it is, like for me across the country flight, I wasn't stressed. I was fearful I wasn't going to sleep. <laughs> so that was that fear was, was driving me. And it's around us all the time, which is okay. It's not about it not being around. It's about us developing the mental skills and the emotional fitness to convert that energy. And when we start doing a little bit here and a little bit there, do a little bit a lot, not a lot a little bit, it starts to change the world around us for us and the ones that we love. I love that. And I I think, I mean, there's just a billion implications for that. But when I was younger, um, I would get really nervous before games, especially as I started to kind of go up in the levels and like almost throwing up like before big games like that, that's sick to my stomach. And I'm like, I'm so stressed out. I'm so stressed out. And now, like just right now, oh, well, yeah, I was scared. I was scared of not playing well. I was scared of letting myself, my team, my parents down. If I would have sat in that locker room and been like, man, look around. There's people fighting wars that are my age. And there's people with no legs that can't get to play hockey. And like, look what I'm doing. I'm doing what I love. Why don't I just be like so happy and grateful and thankful? I'm going to go out there and just give it my best. That would have just instantly triggered my mind to be in that in a different space as opposed to being like, oh, my God, I'm so sick. I'm so nervous. Like I have to perform, you know, like, man, for any kid listening to this. And it's actually really funny that we're talking about this specific thing, because I had one of the guys that I coach um, call me three days ago and um, he plays for two hockey teams, a triple A team and a high school team. Triple mm-hmm. A is like the better hockey in St. Louis. High school is kind of more for fun in St. Louis. Gotcha. And this kid's this kid's a really good player. He's already got a Division One commitment. And he's like, "Is there anything you ever did when you were like super super nervous and and scared and you know things like that? Like you're in a slump, you're not performing well. I wish I would have had this to say to him. What I said to him because he asked, "What would you do in those situations?" And for me, every year I'd have my coaches make highlights of of myself. And then when I was not doing well, doing well or not doing well, I would watch them before every game. So before every game, the last uh, six years, I would watch all my goals from the year before or the years that up to that point. And it helped me so much get into this space in my head where like I was confident, like even if I wasn't feeling good, I'd watch that video and I was like, man, look at all these goals I've scored. I can keep doing this. I will keep doing this. And immediately I was like back to like, yes, I believe in myself. I'm there. So I told him to do that. He scored two goals that night, their team won. And I saw him the next day and I was just like, yeah, I gave him a hug. I was like, you don't need to be nervous, but I wish I would have had that to say, because that's, that's very profound. It's very powerful. 
And I, I think it's a combination, right? Like, so the number one thing, man, and that's strong because we, and I love that, Jeff, and we've, we've talked about this. You do some of these things when you didn't realize you were doing them. We just said that about five times when we, when we hung out. But like, my gosh, we don't give ourselves enough credit for the great stuff that we do. That's where that I Am Great album comes in. Like, we, we don't, we, we like, when we pat ourselves on the back, people are like, oh, don't give yourself enough credit. I, I turn that. Give myself credit, man. I have done some great things in the world, and I have helped other people do great things, and that makes me feel good, and it makes them feel good. So, like, I love that idea because essentially what you did was help pat yourself on the back, which is a good thing. We should be proud of the things and the accomplishments that we've done, not from a egotistical I am the man standpoint, but from a humble contribution standpoint, right? So, like, and if we're grateful that we get to play this game and I have a beating heart and I have eyesight and I have the ability to skate and I have people that invest in me and I have people that trust me and I have people that believe in me and I get to go out and play this game and then I watch how great I have done in my past, that's a different mindset to go into a game. And then my favorite two questions that people ask me in terms of business and things like that, what are you doing and how are you doing it? When they ask me those get two questions, I get to share and in corporations, in the corporate world, it spreads like wildfire, man. And we have, I have seen companies grow 55, 45% year over year growth. Imagine what it could do with a, in a team sport. <laughs> you know, that, and, and I'll tell you right now, man, the, the corporate world is starving for leadership. So there is no, I mean, every kid out there at some point, hopefully they go on to play 20 years in the NHL, but at some point they're going to go to do something professional that is not sports. And I'm telling you, the corporate world is starving for leadership. And in my opinion, I believe this to be leadership because it's teaching and training yourself how to be transformatively empowered and then allow people to do the same. Unbelievable. And Toph and I are all about, I mean, I know, you, you know, you, you, did you play hockey at all growing up or no? Just baseball. No, no I, I just uh, baseball. football and basketball. Yeah. Okay. So I played baseball um, until sixth grade. I'd never played basketball. I played soccer when I was a young, very young. So pretty much only hockey. Um, but the hockey dynamic, uh, I've never seen a culture that is like it in the locker room. And that's what Toph and I love about hockey. Um, it, I think that it translates very well to the real world after hockey, whether you play, you know, house league, double AA, a triple a college pro you can learn so many life lessons that will translate to life after it, it from, from the hockey culture. So, I mean, everything you're saying, like totally, totally believe in, but a question I have for you is a lot of kids, um, have self deprecating humor. And for me, for any kids who are listening to that, that's like, I, I do it all the time on this podcast just to be funny. But even then after, sometimes I'm like, why did I do that? Because when I played, I didn't do it about myself. But, you know, that would be for the kids listening, that would be a joke where I'm like, you know, oh, I have no vision, uh, blah, 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 laughing about it. But when kids are in the gym with me and they say things like that, I tell them, no, you're not allowed to say that when you're around me. I don't want you ever having those thoughts in your head. But a lot of kids do that. I think as some kind of self-defense mechanism, kind of, oh, I missed that shot. Oh, it's because I suck and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, don't ever say that stuff. How do you think that that, that self-deprecating, self-negative thoughts impact whatever they're doing? Uh, great question. And that, that, the reason I love that is because, man, so when you're, when you're in that state, right, there's, there's two ways to look at this. Now, when you're in that state, when you laugh, and let me, let me preface it by saying this. I, I believe our job is to raise awareness, right? If we can raise awareness and change some perspective, then we can increase quality of life. 
Now, when somebody does that and they're in that state, to laugh, I know laughing releases great chemicals in the brain. However, if we do this and use self-deprecating over and over and over and over and over again, then we are creating the wrong neural pathways in our brain that we want. So I think it's like in anything else, in moderation. If they laugh once here, once there, I don't think that's a bad thing because they are there from a biochemical standpoint doing something that's good for their body. However, I would always teach them to convert it. So if they say something negative, I would say, okay, well, what's the opposite of that? Because they might have a good laugh, which is good, but it's almost like you're, you get them back on course. If you can, and that comes back to what we talked about before, converting energy, converting energy, converting energy. Um, so I, I look at that as twofold. To laugh is great. Like when they, you know, when, when people are sad or whatever, I always say put a pen in your mouth so it makes you smile. Your brain doesn't know if, it, you're, if it's real or not. It's just feeding off of what you're doing on your physical, biological biological mechanisms, right? So <laughs> I think it's good to be able to laugh, but we don't want to create that that pathway in our brain to keep putting ourselves down. So just convert it. I like that. I like that. And you are correct. That was a good question. It's the only kind I have, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Well, one of the things like Ricky, when I was looking at your website and, and you know looking up some of the stuff that you do before we were going to have you on here asking the right questions is something that you talked about a lot. Like you, that was something that, you know, in a lot of the videos was, was really, really important. So, you know, again, our, our listeners, we have a lot of, like, we have a lot of young aspiring coaches or young aspiring players that want to get to some high levels. You know, what are some, you know, questions that you think they should be asking themselves that they would need to answer to get to that point, if that makes any yeah. sense. So, yes. like, because I agree, like asking the right questions, I think that's so cool. So, what are some questions that you think those guys should be asking, maybe themselves or maybe other people, to to try and get them to to reach their goals and their dreams? Very simple, very simple, man. When you go through a challenge, what did I learn from this challenge? How can I grow from this challenge? How can I contribute from this challenge? So, what I mean by that is. Look, the, what happens is, and I know this from personal coaching, corporate coaching, consulting, all this. When some challenge happens, when the bad stuff happens and the crap happens, it's going to come. It's going to come and it's okay. It's, that's like saying, I want to be successful without the challenges. Not going to happen. Okay. So when, those, when the challenges come, people ask this, why did this happen? Why me? Why am I going through this? You ask those questions, you're going to get a bad answer. Okay. There's no, that's a rabbit hole. You're going to dive down. You're not going to good answer. I can't answer positively. Like, why is this happening to me? Cause I'm assuming it's negative. Why is this going on in my life? If I answer, it's going to be negative because it's assuming that it's a negative thing. If I turn that, and again, it comes to conversion of energy. If I convert that and I ask myself very simply, what can I learn from this and how can I grow from this? If I learn and if I grow, then when somebody else goes through the same crap that I went through, I can contribute by sharing on how I learned and grew from it. How did I turn that energy around? I can share it with somebody else. And again, it comes back to contribution, which is the best feeling on the planet. So that's my kind of definition of being awesome. That's the first set. Now, if I get good at that and I do it again and I do it again and I do it again, now I can start asking questions like, what am I grateful for? What am I excited about? What am I proud about? You know, how, how did I help somebody else? How do I influence the mind of a child? How did a child inspire me? These are all great questions because if I ask, how did I celebrate and facilitate somebody else's success? 
These are great questions. They make me feel empowered and they lead to a great answer. So the questions that we ask will guide us wherever they go, negative or positive. And we get to choose every single second of every single day of every single week of every single month of our lives. Unbelievable. I mean, that's so would you call that a growth mindset? Like how you're asking the question? Because it sounds like if you're asking the right questions, you're going towards growth. Whereas if you're asking the wrong questions, you're going towards negativity. I don't even know what, how would you call that? Yeah, absolutely. I I think, I believe asking the right questions gets you to the right answers. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, we all want to feel Regardless of what we're working towards, when we wake up, we want to feel great. We want to feel empowered. We want to feel abundant. We want to feel prosperous, right? Regardless, if I told you when you wake up at the beginning of the day to when you go to bed, if you felt empowered, abundant, prosperous, great, fantastic, nothing else would matter, right? So if we ask the right questions to get us to put us in that emotional state, then just keep asking those questions. So the right questions get us to the right answers. And in, in the time being of doing that, we get to convert energy. And it's kind of like what you said earlier, Jeff, when you watch yourself doing great, it's almost like, um, what's that saying? Uh, be there before you get there, right? So it's like, and that that's where visualization, meditation, whatever you want to call it, that's where that comes in. Because if I can think of that, even though it hasn't happened yet, if I can think of those great things and how they make me feel, they put me in an emotional state that I want to be in, then I don't have to worry about the action. I don't have to worry about the result because I'm already in a state that will make me get myself to, to do the right action. I would, I would going off of that. And this is something we talked about that first night we met. Um, I brought up something that my mom had told me, and I've talked about this on the podcast uh, a few episodes ago. My mom told me when I was a kid, uh, she's like, Oh, Hey, you know, there was a study at Harvard. I, th- I think she said Harvard where if you, the people who wrote down their goals weekly or daily or whatever it was, they achieve their goal at such a higher percentage than everyone else. So the way that I turned that into work for myself was whenever I was in a slump, I would write down on a piece of paper a hundred times on game day, I will score tonight. I will score tonight. And this is me just doing bro science. I also would write it in different, like one would be in cursive, one would be in big letters, one would be in small letters. Cause I was just like, maybe I'm working different things in my brain. Total bro science. No idea if that worked. But anyways, <laughs> I'd write it down a hundred times and I swear to God over my career, I started doing that my first year in juniors for my first year in junior until the last game of my 10th year playing professionally. When I would do that, I think I scored like 97% of the time, but, and I told you this, I was nervous to do that every game because I was like, well, I want this to keep working when I really need it. But so you and I talked about that and you knew what study I was talking about and we just went off on that. So I would love to talk about that and, and how powerful writing down your goals and, and aspirations and, and everything is because, you know, that was huge for me and it really helped me. And I did that all the time, like with goals, like every year I'd write out, I'd have on my phone, every single year I played, my goals would be on my home screen. And so every year, like when I was in Japan, it was a little bit easier for me to score there. I'd never scored 30 goals in my career. And on my phone, the entire off season going into my second year, it said, I will score 30 goals this year. And I read that phone. Every time I picked up my phone, I made it a point that I would read it before I would unlock my phone. I scored 33 goals that year. I'd never done that before. Every year, you know, I will score. I'll do this. I'll do that. Now my phone says, give more, be more. That's my life motto. Now I want to give more to the world, to people, try and help people be better because I feel better and I become more. 
you know, so like, that's what I'm about. So talk to the, to the listeners and Tolf and I about writing down your goals and that study and, and all that stuff. So first of all, I think that exact point is when we had like a big bromance hug in the kitchen at the friend's house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Party hug. (laughs) And secondly, I will say bro science is real. So the reason why you felt that way and the reason why you wrote that down in all different ways is because, and the reason why it's so impactful is because you're engaging in a completely different part of your subconscious. Our conscious mind feeds our subconscious. Our subconscious basically runs all of our decision-making, our emotions, our behavior, everything. And that's why I, whenever I, people say, yeah, I got my goals, I got them in my head, I say, yeah, BS. You don't have them and you're tricking yourself because you haven't written them down and you haven't used them. When we write them down, we engage a completely different part of our subconscious. And when we write them down in different fonts and sizes and colors and all those things, we're engaging more of our brain to make it that more impactful. So I love that. Um, so I was and, right. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so there is truth to the bro science. <laughs> right. um, now, it's funny because that's what people say. When things – this is what happens. When things are going really great, people say, oh – this is this can't keep up. This can't keep up. And then when things are going bad, they're saying, man, you know, this is going to continue. This is going to continue. We're doing the opposite of what we want to fulfill. So when things are going great, what about saying, man, this is awesome. I can't wait for it to keep going. And when they go bad, man, this is great. This is, means I'm due for a, for a, for a setup. You know, so I wish you had done kept doing that when uh, you weren't so superstitious. <laughs> I know, <laughs> no, I know. It's it's uh, it's incredible because it's like that's what people say when things are going good; they expect it to go bad, and when things are bad, they expect it to keep going. So, what if we turn those? And and I and I absolutely love that you brought up that that uh, study from Harvard MBAs. So, I, and uh, this is a joke that I make with with people, but like I'm not going to argue with Harvard, man. Harvard MBAs, if they do a study with Harvard MBAs. I'm not going to argue with those guys. Look at <laughs> you know? Tolf's face. Tolf went to Cornell. He's not happy with you right now. <laughs> I'm sitting here like you guys are just, you know, on the Harvard train right now. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, just shoot me. No, but I get it. <laughs> like really, really smart people, if they put into a study, I'm just going to listen to it. So I remember that exact study from 79 to 89. And they did – they studied all these graduates from the Harvard MBA. And I remember I was given this report and study in a sales class over 10 years ago. And it talked about, oh, I don't want to read the whole thing. It takes a while. But basically, there were 3% of the class that had clear written goals written down and plans to accomplish them. The other 97% either had them, but they weren't written down or whatever variation. 10 years later, the 3% that had written clear, concise goals that used them and studied them, Made over made more than ninety seven percent than the other group combined. They made more. Let me rephrase that. They made more than ten times as much as the other ninety percent combined. So when I learned that, I was like, my goodness! And it, it hit home with me at the time. I was working as a sales consultant for Sears Home Improvements. Okay, I was, and this is in two thousand and nine when the world is falling apart. Not a good time to be a commission only salesperson. So, long story short. We had our bonuses of about eight to nine thousand bucks. I was making on a consistent basis. No, no override, no hourly, no nothing, just some bonus. And because the world was falling apart, and because people were losing their homes, and because everybody was scared, they, every company either got rid of people, laid people off, or cut bonuses. That bonus for the same metrics went from about eight to nine thousand bucks to about like eight hundred and fifty dollars. I was pissed. Ugh. And only that, I was telling everybody, like, look, we're 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 leaving. We're leaving. We're going to the competition. 
I had a, a mentor of mine that was a VP of sales and said, Ricky, he knew how to push my buttons. He said, Ricky, what you're saying is it can't be done. The next month I went, I sat with my mom, my dad, and my sister. I wrote down my goals for the first time in my life. And what they had done is they cut our bonuses, they slashed them, but they said, hey, if you hit these metrics, which are far and above more than anybody ever hit in sales at the company at that time, we'll pay you this bonus. And that bonus was $49,625, which made us even more mad because we're like, no one's ever hit that in the history of Sears. And Sears has been around since like 1920s. <laughs> one month after that happened, one month after I wrote my goals, I was the first person out of 5,000 reps to hit that bonus. I made over $88,000 in two weeks. No qu- <laughs> Quite the turnaround no there, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like since literally since that day, there's there's never been a month that I haven't not only written them down, had them, and used them. People say you got to have them, but it's really three parts of the puzzle. You need to have them, you need to write them down, and you need to use them. And you need to look at them every day to condition yourself for high emotional fitness and mental conditioning. So ever since that time, I was like, hold on. Some very smart people told me to write my goals down and use them every day. I did that. I made more money than I ever made. I think I'm going to do that again. <laughs> so, and it was funny when we go into contribution, it wasn't the money that made me happy. I learned that money was paper with green paper with numbers printed on it. The things that I could afford and do that I wanted that increased my quality of life and the life of the ones I love in terms of my family and the people around me, the things I was able to help them with and facilitate, that's what made me happy. That's awesome. I, I think that's so profound and and uh, like I think everybody needs to get that. And it kind of goes along with another thing that you know I heard you talk about in, in looking at your videos and stuff, and that was attacking fulfillment and not achievement. Um, that's something I've really tried to do in my life over the past couple of years. Cause you know, I was in a, in a job that was a very achievement oriented job. I was an assistant coach in college and you know, a lot of what you do is about wins and losses. Did you win the hockey game? Did you get that recruit? Yes or no. Instead of like enjoying the process of, you know, Hey, I got to travel all around the world. Hey, I got to meet all these people, but I hardly ever thought about that. And and when I do my team building, one of the things that I ask the, the kids all the time is like, you know, why do you play hockey? You know, at the end of the day, why do you play? And it's always the same answer. Well, coach, I, I love to play hockey. And then I ask them, well, how often do you think about that? And they're like, well, I, I, I never do. Well, what do you think about? Well, I think about making it to the NHL or I think about you know the end result or whatever it may be. So talk to us a little bit about that saying because I think it's just – I think it's so profound. I think it's – if everybody kind of had that mindset, I, again, you would be more grateful for the things that you have. You would have more perspective in all the things that we've been talking about on this entire podcast. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, so to go back to like the goal setting and things like that, when I made that money, I was like, man, this is great for a day. And the strange thing, it was a little unsettling because that that feeling wore off. But because I was able to do those things, I look back at my prosperity plan. I call it I, I like to call it prosperity planning instead of goal setting. So I looked back at my prosperity plan. And I looked at the things that I had written down. And, and it, I love that you just said the why, because I had written down my why for all these things. Give you an example. So because of that, I was able to, my family wanted to go to uh, Europe and I'm still, my mom, my dad, and my sister, we take family vacations. <laughs> Not that we're little, that we're all older now, we still take family vacations and we're super close and I love my family more than you could ever imagine. But going to Paris, I was able to facilitate buying flights 
And my mom wanted to go up the Eiffel Tower. My mom was a little out of shape. So I was able to get a personal trainer for her. And we started, she's also deathly scared of heights. So we started, we got to Paris. We went to the Eiffel Tower and my mom was in shape to be able to get to the top. Now she started walking in about, she didn't want to take the elevator. She's like, I'm walking. If my family's here, I'm walking up there. I'm getting over this fear. Now, my goodness, she was one twentieth of the way up and she starts crying. And my, my sister and my dad are talking to her. I have pictures of all this. And, and uh, they're like, you know, we don't have to keep going. We don't have to keep going. She's like, I'm with my family. I'm going to make it. If I'm with my family, I can make it. You guys are here. I'm getting to the top. We just have to go step by step. And I went back down and I was taking pictures and everything. I document everything. I believe in collecting memories. <laughs> so I was taking pictures and she starts really bawling to the point where like people are walking by us. And she had the physical ability to get up. And she said again and again and again, if I'm with my family, I can make it. If I'm with my family, I can make it. So we went so slow and step by step. And with my mom, my dad, my sister, my family, we made it to the top of the Eiffel Tower. And I have this picture of my mom at the top of the Eiffel Tower with her hands up in a tourist shirt that says, I love Paris. And it is one of the most fulfilling pictures I have ever had. And I look at it all the time to ignite a fire in me that works every time I look at the picture. To me, that is fulfillment. The money that I had and made to be able to facilitate was achievement. So when I tack fulfillment, fulfillment, when I tack fulfillment, the achievement comes much easier because it gives me the drive and the fire to be sustainable over the long haul to take the action that I need to take. Wow. That's a powerful story, Ricky. That's that's really powerful, man. That's unbelievable. And uh, Tof and I, obviously, we're cousins, and and uh, you know, family is everything to us. Both our huge family and our own individual families. And and I'm uh, so funny. I'm doing that right now with my mom. I told her when I came back from this big isogenics event, where it kind of really opened my eyes and changed the way that I looked at things. And I was like, you know what? My number one goal. Like, I have all these clients. I have money. All the stuff. Like. I, none of it means anything, mom and dad, if you guys aren't going to be here in 10 years, I'll trade all of it. So I put, put my mom first and getting her healthier and, and all this stuff. And literally I wake up every day and I'm just so happy that she's like already healthier in only four weeks. And, and it's unbelievable. Like that is, wow, that's a great story. I want to share this too. Cause I love that man. And like, I'm super close with my family and, and I think it sounds like you are too, but I know there are listeners out there and I know this from my coaching and consulting and people that come after me at a speaking event or whatever. And they say, yeah, but yeah, but right. And they say, <laughs> I'm not family or my, my childhood wasn't this or my childhood wasn't that it doesn't have to be family, man. Like how, again, how have you affected the life of another? How have you affected a child? Go and buy some homeless dude a meal, you know, random acts of kindness. There's something, there's anything that you can do to put yourself in an inspired state for you and other people out there. But think of how you can influence humanity. We can all do it. And I'm sure you guys have heard of the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid, right? I heard that a lot, Ricky. Trust me. <laughs> and I want people to know that it doesn't have to be necessarily mother or father. I know a lot of people that grew up and maybe didn't have that support. But you can. my point is you can find to do it for somebody. It can be a smile. It can be a meal. It can be an ear that listens to somebody. It can be something super simple that has that same effect for you and that other person. That's, I mean, yeah, that's amazing. I agree. That's I a- think the biggest, like, sorry to cut you off, Jeff, but like oh, the biggest, um, 
almost like personal development that you could ever have is doing something for other people without expectation of anything in return. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, that is like the, it's, it's empowering. It gives you perspective. It gives you gratitude. Like all the things that you've talked about on this podcast, when you do things for other people without the expectation of something in return, specifically of those people are less, you know, less fortunate than you are. I mean, there's, there's no better personal development, um, activity than, than that. I'm a firm believer in that big time. And that's, it's the best the contribution is the best feeling on the planet it, it, from all the emotions that we have and all the things out there. There, there's no better feeling than contribution because I cannot be fearful when I'm grateful. And when I'm helping somebody else, I cannot be fearful. So I tell people all the time, like, look, if, if the crap storm comes, put your focus and energy on somebody else. So if you go into your I Am Great album, right, and you have all these messages of, of people that have helped you, number one, I can go to there and change my state. But two, if I'm, if I'm going through a crap storm myself, I can immediately focus on helping somebody else. So if I follow up with the people that have sent me a thank you, hey, how is this going? Or, hey, how is the game going? And all of these things, when you do them consistently on small scales, they add up, they're cumulative. Man, imagine the athlete and teammate that we can become. Imagine that person that we can, can become, especially when in, in, in a sports setting and in leadership. I would assume and think and imagine and feel that coaches would want people that can convert energy and kids that can convert energy on the ice just as well there as anywhere else. And, and I also love your start with why. When we think about the why and we develop the why, I call it a magnificent obsession. I do this with companies and coaching or whatever. But when we really, really dig into the why, um, I'll give you an example. So my, one of my whys and contribution is to – I do two random acts of kindness each month. So I will go to a, uh, I love me some Panda Express, right? <laughs> and I, I love me, when I'm in the South, I love me some Waffle House. It's not, I do a lot of research on acidity and alkalinity and how that raises the vitality in our body, but those are acidic places, but that's okay. Jeff, how are you like- doing with that, Jeffrey? Is that okay? <laughs> I know, I know, but you know what? Him and I talked about pH and stuff like this, so let him go with this, and then I want to <laughs> ask about that. Okay. So I will, twice a month, I will either buy somebody lunch or breakfast or dinner, from somebody that's in line behind me and I tell the cashier, do not tell them it was me. Just tell them happy Tuesday or Thursday or whatever day it is and tell them that their meal has been taken care of without any like recognition or anything like that in that moment. And I, I wait until they get to the front and I watch them. And it's been unbelievable. Some people get so excited over a $10, $15 meal that they're giving the cashier hugs. They're walking out with this immense smile on my face. And what did it cost? I mean, I've done this at Waffle House where breakfast costs $7, right? So, But it makes them feel awesome. It makes me feel awesome. It makes the cashier feel awesome. And it's just this really great synergy of, I call it an avalanche of awesome, comes right at me. The old avalanche of awesome. I like that. <laughs> Have you? Do you remember, did either of you guys see that movie Pay It Forward with Haley Joel Osment? No, I haven't. That's, that's you have to tell if you would love it. Sure. That's kind of like what he's saying, like yeah. a random act of kindness for a, a random person. Mm-hmm. And they just be kind of like, well, don't do anything back for me. Just pay it forward. Do it for yeah. someone else. Yeah. And I remember that, that movie having a profound impact. I mean, I mean, that movie probably came out when I was in like eighth grade or something. Great. And yeah. And it, it, it's literally exactly what he's talking about. And it's an avalanche of awesome. You do one thing for somebody. Hey, I don't want anything in return. Just go out in the world and, and you, you do something for somebody and just tell them, Hey, you, you know, keep paying it forward. And, uh, very, very cool. And the feeling, the rush you get 
from from doing something for someone where they're not going to do anything for you in return. It's it's a great feeling. We just did the, one of the best experiences I've had with that. I was in I was in Australia for some events. I was there for two months, and we lived right on Bondi Beach. And we go to a place called Bondi Massive. It's this little coffee place, breakfast place, and. It was my first time doing this in international, second time doing this over international waters, right? So you don't know how people are going to take it. At this restaurant, we told the cashier what to do when they go and pay for it, tell them that it's taken care of. They were so excited then. They, in front of me, they, I didn't, they didn't know it was me, but I'm watching this whole thing. They decided to pay for somebody else's meal. Those people decided to pay for somebody else's meal. And then those people decided to pay for another person. It went four times. It was the most that I've ever seen that happen on the spot. It was incredible. <laughs> Very cool. That's powerful, but it's, it's one domino. It's one yeah. act of kindness, one, you know, helping somebody and man, that's unbelievable. You know, Love the, it. the crazy thing too is like, you never know the person that you're helping. Like that person might be going through something that that little one thing might trigger, like just a smile, like what you were talking about before might trigger another smile. Might tri- like you, like even those little simple acts of kindness, like you never know the impact that they can have on people too. And I'll share this, man. It just reminded me. So why, that was such a cool effect that we did it my second time that month. We did it a couple of weeks later. And I was with a couple of friends and we did it that time. And there was this two, there was this couple sitting away and they weren't, they were, they were just kind of sitting there not really talking a whole lot. All of a sudden the guy starts crying. Um, this is before we paid for their meal or anything. And we're like, oh my gosh, like we, we, something's going on there. Right. So we told the cashier, this is before we even knew this, but we were, they were like, there were a couple, like, we're just going to pay for their meal. The guy goes up. He's he's confused. You see the reaction. People don't expect it because so much negativity, and they, she didn't. He didn't really understand it. And they have like, no, your meal's paid for. And he was still trying to pay for. It. He didn't understand that somebody would do this. He leaves, and then the woman comes up. She starts crying, um, gives the cashier a hug and a kiss, and she said, "You don't understand how much that made our day." It turns out the guy had cancer. And he just this little thing she was going off on how that changed their day because she had left and then came back into the store. So you never, never, never know how that can affect somebody. Not that that, not that that clears up anything or makes anything great or easier. But for that brief moment, somebody helped somebody else. And when we do this consistently, it comes back to everything that we're talking about. I become a better person. I become a better teammate. I become a more skilled teammate. I live in this life of empowerment and transformative change, which helps me become a better athlete, a better coach, a better father, a better husband, a better friend. I, to- I totally agree. And, and to relate that to hockey, when I was playing in Europe, so I played in Europe and Japan uh, the last seven years of my career. Um, and I'm in these, you know, smaller hockey markets than or than the U S you know, wherever I was playing Providence, Boston, uh, New York, San Antonio, wherever, um, you know, they don't have the same coaching that we're afforded here in the United States. Like they, they just don't have good coaching coming up. So the younger guys on the team, I would always take them aside and show them like, Hey, I saw you doing this. Like, this is how I do it. This is how I was taught to do it from some of the best coaches. What do you think? And we go through that. And then when I would see them do it in games, it would like give me such fulfillment. I was like, Oh, I helped this kid who's, you know, going to play probably 20 years pro because he lives in this <laughs> town where he doesn't count as an import and whatever. And I helped him and it made me a better teammate, which then in turn made our team better. Mm-hmm. So like, and it wasn't out of a selfish reason, you know, I'm just trying to help him, but then everything, now our team gets better. Now we win more. Now I hit win bonuses. Now I make more money. I'm not even thinking that way, but it just, it just happened that way, you know? So like whether you're, 
pro kid, whatever, like help your teammates out. Like don't expect anything in return and just help each other out, help each other get better. When your team plays better, you're going to win more games. When, when you're older and you're winning more games, you're going to get scouted more, whether you're in juniors and it's college scouts or it's college and it's pro scouts. And it's all from you helping your teammates out. We did a podcast earlier with the captain of Penn state. Um, it's going to be coming out after years next week. And, um, you know, he was talking about their captain who literally was teaching this freshman how to take his job, but it made the team better and made them win more and everyone was better. And I was just like, it was so cool to hear. And that is so transferable from somebody I'm excited to be in front of more athletes this year, but for somebody who's built his business around corporations, real estate companies, tech companies, you know, sales companies, whatever it is exactly what you just said is so transferable to the corporate world whenever they are done playing. And the corporate world is starving for good leadership. Starving. Yeah, buddy. I'm coming for that corporate world. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Never. I will. I could never wear a suit to work. No chance. <laughs> or even in, in small business or entrepreneurship or maybe yeah, there we go. build their own business, right? You know, so it's like it's so every single part of that, if they start doing it in a team sport atmosphere if it's their own business a small business as an entrepreneur corporations whatever it's so relatable to that very true i'm an entrepreneur for seven years and i will never wear a suit i will only wear lulu not a big deal (laughs) same same (laughs) uh well ricky i i kind of wanted to like with with kind of what we're talking about in the synergistic ways between the corporate world and the sports world, you know, like again, in, in, in kind of looking at your stuff, you said one of your specialties is kind of rebuilding divisions of mediocre or failing businesses. And there's a lot of failing or mediocre sports teams out there too. And I would imagine that the issues are probably very similar because um, it's all based on teams and working together. So like what do you, cause, and, and there are, um, there are some coaches at higher levels that listen to this podcast, maybe be going through some of that kind of stuff. Like what do you see as some of the challenges um, that in the corporate world of why teams and why corporations need to be rebuilt? Like what are the things that need to change in order to get them, you know, whether it's to hit their bottom line or to grow or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, super simple. Culture. Culture is the foundation of everything. And when you have culture, you have this huge sustainable platform that you can build off of. So I'll, I'll give you a little bit of an example. Um, one of the companies that I was kind of most known for helping was in Los Angeles. They had been in business for 20, 25 years, um, been about 10 million bucks in the service industry. That's not bad. Within seven months, and the first year we grew from 10 million or 12 million to 22. And the next year we went to 36. But we completely rebuilt the culture. And when I mean rebuilt, I brought four or five sales guys on at that time. I wouldn't let them near the office because there would be a fight. Um, the team, the people that were there wouldn't shake my hand. They would literally open in front of everybody, tell me to go F myself. They would key my car. This was like, this is tip of the iceberg type stuff. And this is, I'm grateful for it because it taught me mental conditioning. I would literally have to walk around and there were eight to 10 salespeople there and the whole office staff had alliance to them. Right. And then the person that comes in, who's younger than most people and has to induce change, which everybody hates has changed. And so the whole office hated me. It was, I mean, I, and I'm a guy speaking openly. I'm a guy that likes to be liked. Okay. I, I, I enjoy when people say, Hey, Ricky's a good guy. Or Ricky's a nice guy. When people tell me to go F myself when they keep my car, that didn't feel good. 
I would literally have to walk around the office and say, I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. I did that for five months, six months before we even started to have a little cultural change. But when we did and we taught these things in terms of prosperity planning and fulfillment and helping others and teamwork and teammates, one of the most favorite things that I've ever had is a girl that bought into the system. She was making 10 bucks an hour. And hopefully this year we have it on our prosperity plan. I still keep in touch with her and she will own our first home. So that type of thing, when you take people and you really develop the culture through empowerment and helping and contribution, and I'll say it again because this is one of the first meetings that I had, was gratitude. You walk around and you feel differently around that corporation or that entrepreneur or in this case, our teammates. When those things are ingrained in them and taught and empowered through them, our culture and foundation changes. Then we can go to the actionable items of skill set and forgive my lack of hockey terms, but slap shot and goal saving and checking, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, Perfect. It, you nailed it. I know baseball well if I can say short to the ball, follow through, transfer weight, you know. But like then we can go to these actionable items. People try to get to the action items first without changing or even altering the foundation of it. So it doesn't last. It's not sustainable. That's why people write down their goals January 1st and then January 15th, they're shut down. That's statistically speaking in the States. That's what we got in terms of willpower. Well, going off that, because I wanted to ask this earlier and we started talking about other stuff. How often would you recommend a young athlete, whether they're 10 or 18, to be writing down their goals? So there, I look at it as three, three pieces. I believe there are p- three pieces. Number one, I got to have them. Two, I got to write them. And the third part, which is the most important part, in my opinion, is review them every day, every single day. And we can get into a whole electrical and chemical reasons of the brain and why that sustains, why that sustains uh, the new neural pathways and all that stuff. But every single day. I, I have not not I have not not reviewed my prosperity plan since January 6, 2016. I have reviewed it every single day before I do anything, before I pick up my phone, before I write an email, because I know that is conditioning my brain. It's firing and wiring new electrons in my brain, which will really rewire it to create the life that I want and I desire and I deserve. So the biggest part, people get excited. They say, yeah, I got goals. And then they don't write them down. Two is writing them down to engage your subconscious. And then people are like, oh, great, I wrote my goals, I have them down, and they never look at them. They never look at them. So the conditioning doesn't take place. So I, in terms of writing them, you know, I write mine probably once a quarter or maybe twice a year, but I review them every day because they're always evolving. But I review them every day. I put myself in an emotional state of empowerment, prosperity, and abundance. Then I go off into the world. And this can be so small in scale. I had a call with a client this morning and she was like, yeah, well, I've tried to do this and I've tried to do that. And I was like, well, how long is that process? She's like, oh, 20 minutes. I was like, you're starting way too big. I call them liners. Just write a two liner gratitude poem. Take one thing that usually makes you very upset, flip it, find the positive side. Take one thing that you're super grateful for. That's easy to be grateful for family, friends, whatever. Write that down. Just review that tomorrow. That's it. Start extremely small in scale so I can develop the consistency. And in two weeks, three weeks, maybe add another line to it or add a line. That is sustainable and duplicatable over the long haul. And then while I'm doing that, my mental conditioning and emotional fishness sets in. Love that. I mean, just to, just to 
an analogy or metaphor. Like you don't go into the gym and just try and get under a dumbbells and dumbbell bench a hundred pounds, you know, like I do how easy it is for me. (laughs) 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 You you got, (laughs) thank you. You got to start with push-ups and shoulder stability and prehab and all those things. You don't just go under, you know, to the weights that I'm doing every day. You, you have to start small. So, I mean, <laughs> Tilf and I, Tilf and I have a deal where I have to give $20 to charity every time I pump my own tires and I'm already 20 <laughs> deep from this morning and I got 20 more. So I'm at 40 bucks this day, but I'm giving, sharing is caring. Oh, true, right? Like we don't expect we can't get we can't get jacked overnight. It takes time. Correct. Like, people can relate to that because it's tangible and physical. I can see it, right? But when it comes to our brain and our emotional fitness and mental conditioning, people think it should happen overnight. It takes time. It's just it's an emotional muscle. It's muscle memory that takes time to build. So number one, give yourself patience, and two, give yourself credit for the little progress that we're making. Unbelievable. Absolutely love it. I love that. I think it. I think that's something, especially in the hockey world, Jeff, too, where like it's okay to do that. You know, like tell yourself that you're good. You know, like positive self talk because like hockey, it, it's a culture where that's almost frowned upon because it's so much about humility, so much about conformity, so much about you know making sure you're doing everything for the team. We're almost like if you say anything that's thought of as, you know, a brag, you know, it's, it's something that's looked down upon, but you know, if you're doing it in the right way and you're treating yourself right and you're writing it down instead of like posting on Twitter, you know, like, Hey, like, you know, I had a great practice today. You write that down instead of like, Hey, I had a great practice. They post on Twitter, you know, like there's ways to do it where, you know, it's not, you know, so overabundant and so like crazy and braggadocious or whatever it may be, but it's, it is important to treat yourself right. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, Ricky's, Ricky's not saying go in the locker room kids and be like, I'm the best. I have the best shot. I do this. I do that. He's not saying do it that way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's a great, great point. And thank you for bringing that up. And and the way I, I, I look at that is I praise myself internally, privately. I praise others publicly. Because, and that's a great way to promote yourself is to promote others publicly. But when it's just me and when I'm in my room and I'm visualizing, I am telling myself, I am awesome. I am great. I have greatness within me. I have the ability to learn. I have the ability to grow. I have the ability to help other people. And then when we go out in the world, somebody else, whatever we did successful or whatever success we had, somebody helped us. So I like to give credit to wherever who helped facilitate my success. And I do that publicly. So I kind of build myself up privately and I'm able to promote others and how they help me publicly. That's really cool, Ricky. And I think we've, we've spoken a lot, but, but one question I really want to ask you, and I didn't even have this like at the beginning, but you're such an inspiring person just hearing you talk. Like who is your inspiration? Like, who do you get your inspiration from? Who has been like your biggest mentor that's allowed you to think so differently than 99.9% of the other people in, in the world? I just love to hear that. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I could I could sit for an hour and, and talk about this. I, I look at mentors as people I know, people I don't know, people I've met, people I haven't met. The first people that always come to mind because I condition myself every day and tell myself I'm grateful for them is my mom, my dad, and my sister. That those people, I think my mom, my dad have set the bar of, of being awesome. There's a, a phrase that we use in our family. It's called CIA, catapult into awesome. Don't do it unless it catapults you into awesome. That's so cool. I love that. (laughs) Wow. Wow. 
some of the big, like, I mean, I love Tony Robbins. I like Gary Vee. One of my biggest mentors right now is Mel Robbins. I think she's, I've been on a girl power kick, man, for about a year and a half now. And she is incredibly inspiring to me. I, I, I jump on a trampoline every morning and I listen to the same video and, and it's, I drain the lymphatic system in terms of acidity and alkalinity. Um, I've never met any of those people. Weldon Long, he was one of my biggest inspirations and probably the first book that taught me how to read. Um, his autobiography, he was got out of jail, three-time convicted seldom, calls himself a three-time loser. He got out of jail at 40 years old, no opportunity, no money, no nothing. Five years later, he's on the beaches of Maui making millions and millions of dollars. Perfect example of like, if he can do it, so can I. David Meltzer, he is a huge mentor to me. He was the first person that I really paid to coach and teach me. And he taught me a lot about gratitude and, and conditioning and kind of how to convert things. And he, he looks at, you know, he says this thing about uh, gratitude is like saying thank you. Thank you is like a candle. If you hold a candle straight up, then it's going to burn down, right? But if you hold candle and light other candles, it actually saves the candle and lights other candles up. And I look at that as thank you and gratitude. Not only does it light up my soul, but it lights up other people's soul and saves mine. So those are some mentors that I have met personally that I have a relationship with, some mentors that I have never met, my family. And then I look at mentors that are, are passed away. Napoleon Hill's a mentor. He wrote Think and Grow Rich. Any, anybody that any of those kids love right now, any inspirational person that you love right now, got it from somebody who 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 got it from Napoleon Hill. He is the kind of godfather, and he wrote Think and Grow Rich was the first self-development book ever written, in my opinion. And, um, you know, Earl Nightingale, they called him the dean of self-development. He called our minds the most marvelous, miraculous, inconceivably powerful force the world has ever known. He's a mentor. I've read some of his books. Wayne Dyer, um, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He taught me one of the habit number five is one of my favorites. And it's first seek to understand, then to be understood. I think that's a great thing because a lot of times we just want to tell people what we know and what we think and we want people to agree with us, but we're not putting any focus on understanding what other people are telling us. It's been great in business. I can't imagine how great that could be in an athletic setting. Very cool. Very cool. Um, you know, I, I would like for you to tell the people where they can follow you or, or look you up or anything like that, because, you know, we had another mental coach on here named Matthew Calderoni. I know some of the guys reached out to me that I work with and they're working with him. But I think a guy like you, you know, it, it's huge because the body goes where the brain takes it. It doesn't matter how good a shape you're in. I mean, I think about, you know, some of the worst times in my career physically, I was in the best shape always. I was always in the best shape. That was my trademark, always be in the best shape because I knew that would give me an opportunity no matter what. But when I wasn't playing well, it had nothing to do with my physical um, abilities. It was all between my ears. It was all mentally. Whatever was going on, it was between my head. That's why I wasn't having the kind of success that I was capable of. So any athletes out there, any coaches out there, like think outside the box. Don't just think, how can I get better at hockey through hockey? Think, how can I get better at hockey through learning other ways, learning to be a better motivator, learning to be a better teacher, learning to be more grateful. And I think we wanted to have you on. I wanted to have you on because this is everything I'm about. And I think it all starts with your mind, with your brain, with your soul. And then you go downhill towards the body and all that stuff. So where can the listeners find you or look you up and that kind of thing? 
Sure, absolutely, man. Um, and I, I just want to comment that I, I think this is when we gave another bro hug when we talked about let the mind run the body, not the body run the mind. And I think that's absolutely what we all need to do in athletics and sports and coaching and teaching and everything. Um, but yeah, they uh, they can find me. My Instagram is Ricky Mendez Speaks. Uh, YouTube is Ricky Mendez Speaks. Um, Facebook is Ricky Mendez. Uh, website is rickymendez.com. <laughs> Basically anything with Ricky is spelt R-I-C-K-Y. And then Mendez is M-E-N-D-E-Z. Perfect. Perfect. Toph, stop laughing. We gave a lot of bro hugs, but there were, <laughs> there were some there were some extremely beautiful ladies in the room. I heard you're we hanging out with talented. All right. So like, calm down. There were bro hugs, but there it's okay. I know right? there's nothing wrong. With it. I thought, I, thought, no, I just think it's hilarious. hilarious. Just laughing at me. It's no, see, no, the funny part people. about it, honestly, the funny part about it is you guys met each other like less than a week ago. And I feel <laughs> oh, like just yeah. like, listen to you guys talk, you've like been buddies forever. And it's just, it's, it's kind of cool. Birds of a feather. It's like teammates, though. It's honestly like you walk into a locker room and you're just kind of drawn to some people because they have the same mindset as you. Same kind of idea. It's like, man, this guy thinks the same way as I do. Like we're we're instant friends. We're, we're mindset teammates. There we go. That's awesome. I did say uh, if you guys can make it, I did say we're having a prosperity summit in Nashville. Um, it's our first uh, series event series in Nashville this year, and it's, we have the venue location. It's going to be in mid-April. We haven't locked down the actual date yet, but if you guys can make it, that'd be kick-ass. Oh man, Tolf, let Tolf, we, we gotta go. <laughs> I, was, I was the first, we talked about it on our podcast we put out the other day. I was in Nashville over the weekend with Ricky here, and my God, things went off the rails pretty quick in the best way possible. And I was still sweating it out Tuesday night. So uh, anytime I go to Nashville, I'm definitely going. I'm going back for a, a, a what is it, a men's league tournament on St. Patrick's Day, not because I want to play hockey, because I want to go to Nashville. <laughs> And Jeff, too, if we're in the if we're there at the same time, I'm going to speak to Lou Lemon's team. Uh, it might be around that time, so that would be awesome too. Let's, oh, let's do that. We'll get yeah. some free gear. Hey, you let me free free gear, and then Lou Lemon in the same sentence. Yeah. I'm in. I don't care what it costs. And Nashville, there you go. And, and Ricky, that's just <laughs> bro, bro hugs, Lulu Lemon, Nashville. Let's go. I love it. Well, Ricky, thank you so much for going on. This was so, so, so cool. Um, I have about 73 pages of notes after, uh, after listening to you talk and everything like that. So we are very grateful that you took the time out of your day to, uh, uh, to enlighten us and to lighten our, our listeners and our following. So I think there's going to be a lot of people that will take a lot out of it. So thank you so much, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Awesome, man. Thank you. Very thankful and grateful as well. It was fun, and um, hopefully talk to you guys soon. You bet. Awesome, Ricky. Have a good one. All right, guys.